It is super unfortunate, but that is not an uncommon circumstance. The number of divorces in the country today, the number of kids that are raised in single mom households is incalculable. And it creates something inside of us to either overcome or to be burdened by. Welcome back to the Investing with Purpose podcast, where we explore the intersection of success and significance. We discuss alternative investment options from our experience buying hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate, but most importantly, how we're using that business to impact people in a positive way to leave a legacy that matters. Let's get after it. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for joining once again. Today, I'm going to do something a little different, which is go back in time. We're going to do a little bit of an origin story conversation and just kind of talk about the reality of what it takes to get to any level of success. And you can define that however you define success. Just having a conversation with somebody the other day, and we were talking about how we're so results oriented and the stories of people becoming successful are great. They're encouraging, they motivate, but it's often not the whole story. And I think in this social media filled world, we tend to tell the best parts of the story, the Instagram famous and the Facebook stories. And we love to share the good parts of our lives and there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but that's not reality. It's not the entire source of truth. It's not the entire story. So. I think the origin story is important insofar that it explains how people arrive to where they're at and what what's required of us. So I, I like this quote, confronted by adversity, many people give up while others rise up. And we all have trials and pressures in life, and we all have our own upbringing and lens that we view the world through. And so I just want to share a little bit about what that looked like for me. It's the first time publicly talking about a lot of this stuff because frankly, it didn't have to do with my business. But as I continue to learn and grow, doesn't it? And I think that's a fun topic to talk about. And I think that if we are all more honest about what it takes to persevere and become successful in whatever area of life that you're looking to become successful in, then I think what's even more motivating than when people are showing off their success is talking about how they've overcome hurdles and adversity and things like that. I mean, we've all watched the feel good movies that there's this trial and tribulation and then they overcome it. And we have this underdog story that we root for inherently because I think we all are tied to our own origin story, to our own battles, our own adversity, and what we've been able to do to overcome and persevere through those. So just thought I'd share a little bit of mine. Hopefully it's encouraging to you and you can relate on some level. And I think that that's another reason that I wanted to do this was because relatability is based on authenticity and not sharing this story. Hopefully we can encourage some other folks that are in different areas of their lives that are ready to make changes or grow up or whatever. So let's start at the beginning. Uh, I was born in 1982. And I was born to an abandoned fatherless household, meaning my mom was married to a man who took off in the first couple of months of my life, maybe even during her pregnancy. And that was my mom's second marriage. So I have a older brother that passed, oh, two years ago now, I believe. And he was six years older than me and he had a different biological father than I did. And that set of parents was divorced. So my brother and I had obviously stayed together in the same household with my mom. 
and my biological father came into the picture and disappeared when I was born. <laughs> so that was difficult on, I'm sure, my mom. She was so basically a single mom of two and working in a restaurant. And the owner of that restaurant became my father. So I have a Jewish last name. I look like a leprechaun. And the reason is because I was legally adopted by my father when I was four to five years old. And he adopted both me and my brother. Amazing for somebody to be able to step in and do that. And certainly not a requirement by any means. And really that planted some cool seeds in my heart to recognize that even with all of our faults, we can step into pretty significant situations where you can have a good impact. And because of that relationship, because of that marriage, I grew up in two parent household in a pretty cool town in New Jersey that I otherwise would not have been able to financially afford to live in with my mom being a single mom. So that was, um, that was very interesting for him to step in and legally adopt us so we could take his name and really be his children. So from the time that I was five to 12 or 13, he and my mom were married. They unfortunately got divorced when I was 12 or 13, I think it was 13. And we did not have the best of relationships. We saw, saw each other every so often. So now you're talking, and he was married previously to my mom. So between the two of them, it was, you know, five marriages, essentially, by the time I was 13 years old. And to be able to listen and hear that without judgment is probably difficult for a lot of people. But if you're looking at it from your own worldview, then that's the perspective that you have. But this was the reality of the situation. And my mom went back to work. My mom and my dad continued to communicate, but separately, obviously. And then we had a less dynamic relationship because he was out of the household. And it's very hard to, I think, father from afar a teenager. And I was a busy teenager. I had school plays and tennis matches and hockey and, you know, all the things that football and all the things that a high school kid does that's involved in a lot of different things. I was a straight A student and, you know, I had some adversity in terms of stability in the household. And I didn't know that at the time. This comes out typically later in life when you start to do some self-assessment and you see that, yeah, you've lived through some instability and what did that do to drive you? So my dad is the son of an entrepreneur and we would go down to Florida and we would see them living on a golf course in a country club and really started to plant some seeds when I was five years old, swimming in the pool in the backyard going, wow, what did you do that is so drastically different than the rest of the world to let you live this life? And he would share with me, you know, how he came over from Liverpool, England and would work in a gas station and ended up living in that gas station until he could send money back to send his brothers and sisters over when he was just a teenager himself. And then he eventually bought that gas station recession hit. He ended up selling tires and had a, a good exit to a big tire company. And that's how he ended up making his money. And that was the seed that really started to drive me, I think, into my entrepreneur, into my entrepreneurial journey. That being said, when my parents divorced, that relationship, all of those relationships on that side of the family, even though I was kept involved, still got strained. There was little interaction outside of when my dad would go visit them for holidays and he would bring me along. So all that to say that in stable household didn't 
break me down, didn't shut me down. I think I actually commiserated with some other friends who had divorced parents and we kind of had some camaraderie about that. And that just was what it was in hindsight. And in the household that I'm building now with my family, that's something that creates pain. It creates pain insofar that you are in between your two parents. You can't have a collective familial conversation. And when my dad got sick with cancer and passed away, you know, we just started putting our relationship back together. And I know a lot of you can relate to these types of stories. And that's why I'm comfortable sharing them here is because it is super unfortunate, but that is not an uncommon circumstance. The number of divorces in the country today, the number of kids that are raised in single mom households is incalculable. It's, it's an unbelievably high number. And it creates something inside of us to either overcome or to be burdened by. And then I went to college. So got into my REACH school at Boston University and I went and it was great. And it was great because it was the first time that I didn't have a schedule to keep and parents around and I kind of ripped the wheels off. As most kids do, I understand a lot of freshmen in college that don't have a lot of guidance as they're growing up tend to go off the rails a little bit in, in school. And that is what I did. I did work full time and I was in a fraternity and we did find ways through studying to party. So the next four years was a lot of roller coaster between jobs and schools and keeping a good GPA and not getting in trouble, but also getting in trouble, right? And I think it was through those four years that I was trying to find myself and try to understand who I was and not really having the best foundation, not having the best foundation of faith, not having the best foundation of family life, not having the best foundation of just kind of who I was. My identity was wrapped up in different things and trying to figure out who I was in college was a difficult time. Fast forward to my senior year, about six months away from graduating, and we were out one night and it was very cold out. We took a ride home from a guy that we knew a little bit. I called shotgun and that was a mistake. And why it was a mistake was because when we're sitting out front of our home, there was police cars that came from every direction. And that was like, what is happening right now? The whole road is lit up blue. It's in the middle of the night, like two o'clock in the morning. And they get us out of the car and they toss the car and they find a truckload of illegal narcotics. And my buddy who's sitting in the back seat, they let him go home. And because of my proximity to what was in the glove box, they decided to charge me with everything they charged the driver with, which was... I don't know, six or seven felonies, 13 to 15 misdemeanors, all with possession, intent to distribute. And by the way, the entire city limits of Boston is a school zone. So add that charge to the charge sheet as well. So needless to say, we got booked and I had friends that were in the restaurant business. So nobody had a couple dollars to their name to get me out that night. So they shipped me over to the state penitentiary in Boston, which it's the real deal. It's what you see in movies. It's multiple cellmates and guys serving 20 years. And man, was that a life mapping moment? I was terrified. And thank God the guard took pity on me. I was going up to my cell and I was like, Hey man, I'm not supposed to be here. And he's never heard that before. Right. 
And he took pity on me and he put me into a single cell, which was magnanimous of him to see that I was really terrified to be there. And, uh, you know, 24 or 36 hours later, I got out and had to make that dreaded phone call to my parents to let them know, hey, this is what happened. And it looks pretty serious on paper. And indeed, it was serious because without a good defender, who knows what could have happened. So anyway, we, we got a good attorney. All those charges got dropped because I wasn't doing anything other than sitting in a front seat. So in hindsight, though, I was just talking to this to somebody else about this was what position did I put myself in through that situation? Granted, I wasn't the guy driving around with a pharmacy in his car. But when your mom says nothing good happens after 11 or after midnight, <laughs> you should probably heed that advice. In hindsight, I certainly would have. And I understand where my misgivings were to associate with the crowd that I was associating with and be with the people that I was associating with and be out that late. And, you know, the mistakes that I made to lead to that situation. If I was home studying at 10, never would have happened. But that's part of growth, right? Is to understand that you are ultimately responsible for everything that happens in your life. And it's easy to point the finger and point blame to everybody else involved in the situation, but that's just not the reality. So got out of college and then bounced around, did a couple of sales jobs, worked in New York, sold ATMs for a minute, got a, uh, my sister-in-law opened her real estate brokerage and asked me if I wanted to come and work for her and a 1099 job sounded much better than a W2 because I could really control my own destiny. I wanted to work for myself. I knew that I had a hard time working for other people and I really wanted to try sales on my own terms and I did well. Started working with a lot of investors, finding what they were looking for, learning how to underwrite deals to, you know, what they were telling me was going to cost to flip a house. And we were listing bank owned properties and selling them to these investors. And it started to take off. And at some point, um, one of my investors who we sold four or five houses to that year, and he made a good amount of money through the deals that I would send him was at the closing table at a bank owned property. And he looked in the backyard. He said, Hey, somebody stole the pool ladder out of the pool. I just thought he was giving me information. I said, okay. And he was like, well, I'm not closing unless somebody replaces that pool ladder. So we look it up. It's like 250 bucks or maybe 400 bucks. I don't know. It's a long time at this point. And he really held our feet to the fire and he made us me take it out of my commission at the closing table and give him a credit so that he can go and purchase the pool ladder. And I called that man, by the way, a couple of years back and I just thanked him because that was the push that I needed to go and start our own business. That was the guy that made me recognize that even though I'm not working quote for somebody else, I am still working for somebody else where they can, they can kind of dictate to me how things go. And that still happens, by the way. So that's a story for another time. But it was the motivating factor for me to go and say, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do it on my own. And we're going to figure it out. And that was a great driving force. It was a great motivator for me to go out. And Travis and I flipped our first house. We made $16,000. We split that right down the middle. He made eight. I made eight. And uh, he went to Costa Rica to surf for a month. So congrats, Travis. Good move. Because he called me from Costa Rica and he said, hey, you and Grace should come down. 
So we went, we flew down there. He was down there for a month. We went for a week and just sitting on the beach in Costa Rica. It's kind of one of those divinely inspired moments where you recognize that life is too short to not do what you want to do and not be the person that you want to become. And we decided to come home and burn the boats and leave our jobs and start and launch Integrity Holdings Group and start wholesaling and flipping houses. And most of you know the story that we wholesaled and flipped about a thousand houses over the next, you know, seven or eight years. And then years ago, we started doing commercial property. The litany of reasons for that is in other previous podcasts, but I want to focus on some of just those adverse things that led us to now running a hundred million dollar fund and owning thousands of units, because that's what everybody sees. Everybody sees the, oh, you have a hundred million dollar fund. You own thousands of units. You've create passive income for thousands of your own investors. And it's not a light switch. We didn't, you know, Vince Lombardi says the man who is on top of the mountain didn't land there. And I have had amazing mentors and coaches and friends and spiritual advisors and pastors that have sown into my life over the last 15 years that have really changed everything. And I think a lot of us accept our circumstances as they are when we're kids. And I'd say 90% of the people never know how to grow past that. They never think that it's something that they can do. They never see any other people talking about it. They just hear the successes. And the fact is, is that we live in the greatest society in the world. And that's why everybody is really trying to come to America all the time. And That's just the reality of the situation. The borders are always under a deluge of people because they know that the opportunity here in America is unlike anything else. And regardless of what you think your heart is, you can find people to encourage you and to build you up and to get you to that place of financial freedom, spiritual freedom, mental freedom, physical freedom that you want, that you desire. And it's only a phone call away. It's really quite incredible. So I just want to encourage you today through that, by the way, and this is the biggest piece of the puzzle. So I don't want it to be a by by the way thing. But when I met my wife, I started going to church with her because she was a pastor's kid. And the only way I could see my wife was on Sundays was to go to church. And I said, okay, yeah, that's great. I'll be respectful and go and see. And her dad was a pastor. And for the first couple of weeks, I was just really feeling like, man, this, this sermon is about me. And if you're a Christian, I'm sure you've sat in those services where you've had those things happen to you. And I remember driving to work one day and it just overwhelmed me with emotion that I've been just absolutely ignoring the idea of a creator my entire life when there's overwhelming evidence to the contrary in my life that made me and allowed me to overcome all of these hardships. I was never by myself. I never recognized that it was just me. I never felt like I was strong enough to do that stuff on my own. And I had to pull over. I had tears in my eyes. And I just, that was the moment that I gave my life to Christ and have been following him ever since. And that changed everything as well because it started to give me a new perspective of not who I am, but whose I am. And we're trying to instill that into our children as well, that you don't have perfect parents, but you do have one perfect heavenly parent. And if you start to get to the recognition, like I needed to, that a perfect parent isn't what you're looking for, you have one already. And if you're looking to your earthly parents to be that, you will be sorely (laughs) misled. 
And I love my parents and they did everything that they could for us. I'm so grateful for everything that they were able to, to do. And what they were able to do is everything that they could in their own humanity. And isn't that the truth with so many of us? We can only do the best that we can do. And hopefully we recognize that after college, we don't grow automatically. We don't, we don't get the training, maybe job training, but we don't get the training and personal growth without some dedication to it, without some consistency of it. And if we're able to do that and we want to grow, then the world is really, the sky's the limit, I guess is the, the quote. So I hope that's encouraging to you. It, it's been encouraging for me to watch. You know, now my wife and I have been married for 15 years. We have three beautiful kids. We work on our marriage intentionally, rock solid marriage to make sure that we're having conversations, talking about the difficult things, really living life in a joyful manner and a servanthood to each other and to the family because of uh, probably the pendulum swinging in the other direction from what I grew up in. So I'm grateful for those circumstances. Going through them was tough, but what's the quote? Uh, Calm seas, a skilled mariner is not made. And through life's hardships, through life's adversity, we have become mentally tough, emotionally tough. We understand how to persevere. We understand the act of humility and integrity and accountability and transparency because of all the times that we lived in the moments that were not that. So be encouraged today. I hope that's helpful. Appreciate you guys listening. If you could like and share and rate this podcast, I would certainly appreciate it if you're getting value from it. So till next time, see ya. Thanks for listening to the Investing with Purpose podcast. If you're finding value, would you leave us a review and share this with your friends and go to investingwithpurpose.org to learn more about how to partner with us and to learn more about the nonprofits that we support around the world.